Here we go. Welcome in. It is a Wednesday edition. Good to have you with us. Our opening hour, as always, brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Temperatures are dropping. They are plummeting. They are getting low. How low can they go? Well, it won't matter if you've got a great situation with your heating, your furnace. If you have an issue with it, call Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405 405- 579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Sorry, I missed out yesterday. I had some uh, stuff that came up I needed to deal with yesterday. And uh, the able-bodied, uh, very talented youngster, Parker Thune, carried the day. A tremendous performance. Uh, had was really that your stuff. mule shoe personal day right there? That was. I was on the phone with uh, Trace Lawrence, and we're negotiating a new deal for me to do a show at a rest home. So uh, you never know what's going to be popping up soon. Never know. Uh, they said they're going to give me free lodging and tapioca pudding. So that's a heck of a deal that I've got working here. You're so. repping Norman North today. Yeah. How interesting. You know what this is, and, and I'm a former Norman Tiger, is this was a going to CBS and get some stuff I needed, and they had this on the clearance rack for four ninety nine, So I said, you know what? You always need another long sleeve quarter zip. Why not? Even though I'm a Norman Tiger. And it also happens to be laundry that is good to go right now. I have not been able to do laundry. So this is kind of the bottom of the barrel look today. But it's warm. That's all I'm worried about. But no, it was great. John Williams on with you yesterday. Brandon Drum on with you yesterday. And uh, it was good stuff. So good to be back, though, here in the Brown O'Haver Studios on a Wednesday. Let's start out with some sound from Brent Venables yesterday. You know, we talked about this. Uh, the portal can be uh, more than a fix-a-flat. In certain situations, if you're low down and dirty, particularly like Muleshoe, and you can get some really good players, i.e. Caleb Williams, uh, Jordan Addison, Travis Dye, like that, that quality. I mean, that's a pretty good trio right there. It's about as good as it gets. You can turn what was an awful situation into a very good situation. But Brent Venables, you know, said yesterday, yeah, they'll be looking at the portal again. And keep in mind, Oklahoma brought in 13 last year, 13 guys through the portal. But Brent said yesterday, the portal doesn't solve all of your problems. Finding them is one thing, and then – Doing everything you can to, to, to attract them is another. There's another one, a uh, defensive lineman. Man, we, we were within seconds of going in the portal. We are on the phone and lots of conversation. We couldn't get him to come. And uh, he already had it in his mind where he was going and didn't take any other visits, and, and he's having a great year. Uh, so it's hard. As I told the coaches, don't. that's not going to be uh, the only answer. I mean, you're not going to get bailed out. You know, there's one guy who's kicked off the team, and I got a couple coaches coming to me like, hey, man, this is the one. He's the one. Like, that coach kicked him off their team. And, again, there's, hey, something, things happen. But this coach don't kick nobody off the team unless they've done something. I'm like, and that's supposed to be our answer, you know? And, and guess what? Hadn't played for the other team yet. And so you spend all this time and these resources, and you put them in your locker room. And I'm, I tell these parents, I'm, I'm going to work really hard to surround your son with great people. You know, people matter. And, uh, you know, people always make the place. And, and so finding the right kind of people, they're about all the right stuff. They're good enough, bare minimum. That starts with that. And then making sure that, again, they're, you know, they're about the right stuff and the values align. 
There you go, Brent, talking about the uh, portal yesterday. And, uh, you know, we're going to get to another clip, the one that uh, clearly uh, was talking about Jackson Arnold without talking about Jackson Arnold, which was really well done by Brent Venables yesterday. I thought that was outstanding. I thought the press conference was really good yesterday. Brent seemed It was really the, long is yeah, what it was. it was. It was almost 60 minutes. I think it was 58 minutes. But I thought he was very positive. You know, there have been a couple times where Brent is pretty good, again, about being energetic and passionate. And You know, he uh, the previous week's press conference, he talked about, man, if you've done your homework on me, you know I show up with the same attitude every day. But you can tell there have been a couple press conferences where he doesn't look like he's totally – uh, you know, haggard or completely, you know, down in the dumps. But you can tell some of these losses have worn on him a little bit at mm-hmm. some of the press conferences. I thought yesterday was really good. Now, he did say we don't need a quarterback in the portal, and there's some varying opinions on that, right? <laughs> no doubt <laughs> Indeed, about it. there are. But let's hear what he say. This was the clip that uh, obviously he's clearly talking about a guy down in Denton, Texas, who's committed right now to Oklahoma. Uh, say we had a, a top notch quarterback committed like can go anywhere in the country and schools are still coming after him really hard excellent schools that are in those big games that you're talking about or having those successful seasons but somehow some way he continues to stay loyal to you because he sees a vision he sees track record he has uh you know dreams to uh have this amazing opportunity at you know your school and, and he's developed these relationships that mean something to him. There you go. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central has clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a new Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. They're everywhere. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Ortho Central clip of the day right there. Yeah, I, uh, I I was thinking the same thing, 402, that that was uh, Jai Hall that he was talking about in the first clip. The guy that got kicked off the team? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Alabama, because... and then didn't, you know, oh, man, Texas has Jai Hall now. Look out, you know, and wah, wah, wah. He's done. What has he done besides, you know, get some misdemeanors on his record? Yeah, Is nothing, that it? Nothing. Nothing. And he wanted to come to Oklahoma the second he was in the portal. I think that's what Brent was referencing. Yeah. But again, the cultural fit, not there. I'm I'm trying to figure out which defensive lineman he was talking about. Yeah, because it's they, a it's a portal defensive yeah, lineman. Yeah, I I want it might have been Jared Verse who ended up at Florida State. Might have been Makai Wingo who ended up at LSU. Um, I don't know. There were there are possibilities. They went after a lot of defensive linemen very early on in the portal cycle last year. Obviously, ended up with Jeffrey Johnson. Yeah, uh, which was a guy that a lot of schools across the country wanted. Um, Laulu, Jonah Laulu as yep. well. Yep. And they've both been not big disappointments, but they haven't been difference makers. They have not lived up to the billing, man. And Laulu has another year. Yeah. So he's going to be able to run it back, and you can see what you can milk out of him. Uh, for his super senior season. But this was it for Jeffrey Johnson. This was his opportunity to make a statement, solidify his NFL draft stock, and it just really hasn't happened. So, again, I I think when you're talking about the portal this season for Oklahoma, because, you know, back in the day when you didn't have this situation happening, and there are new limits right now on the portal. And, uh, yes, people are talking about, um, you know, the uh, Wingo kid who's at LSU playing really well. But at the same time, you know, you didn't have what fans can perceive as a really quick fix. 
And what's happening at SC with Muleshoe right now, that's not the norm. Now, can you improve through the portal? And can you improve, you know, maybe by a couple games, three games? Well, USC's done it. But, again, you have a first-round pick in Caleb Williams. You have a first-round pick in Jordan Addison. And I know he's been hurt recently. Uh, and Travis, Travis Dye got hurt. Uh, he's out for the season, but he was having an excellent year too. So that's really not the norm that you get that kind of quality through the portal. But uh, the Sooners can do some things in the portal. Where do you think they need to address uh, what positions the most uh, in the portal where you can get more instant help? Now, again, you can get high school instant help too if it's David Hicks or somebody like that. And you can even get maybe a Derek LeBlanc who's a four-star that can play quite a bit next season. But in terms of quality and instant help, where do you think the Sooners need to look position-wise? Yeah, well, first off, on the text line, everybody's saying, got to be Jackson Player that he's talking about. I don't think it is because Jackson Player is not having a great year at Baylor. And that was one of the things that Venables mentioned was, dude's having a really good year. So that's why I would say like, the first name that popped into my head was Makai Wingo. But as far as where Oklahoma needs to address uh, their shortcomings in the portal this offseason, I think – A1 on the list clearly at this point is defensive line because the front four have been a virtual non-factor for Oklahoma for the majority of the season. There are guys that have had moments, right? Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs really flashed in non-conference play. Jalen Redmond has had some nice plays. Isaiah Coe has had his moments. But nobody has been a consistent impact guy up front. Jeffrey Johnson's been invisible, man, invisible. You can make an argument – And I think the argument is there that the most impactful, maybe not the most productive, but the most impactful member of Oklahoma's defensive front this year has been R. Mason Thomas. And he's a true freshman. Yeah, if if he'll just quit grabbing the face mask. But other than that, that was a tremendous play. And, you know, getting him away from Iowa State uh, late was big for Oklahoma, there's no doubt. But the other guys, like the most impactful transfer portal guy has probably been C.J. Colden. I think on so. the defense, I think so. Colden and Dylan Gabriel, obviously. But, yeah, uh, you're also going to need linebacker depth. You're going to need linebacker depth because right now, I mean, you look at what the depth looks like behind Deshaun White, Danny Stutzman, and David Igwebu. It's pretty much just Jaron Canick. Like Brent Venables doesn't seem to be in any all fire hurry to rush Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis out onto the field. Danny Stutzman played 94 snaps on Saturday. That's unsustainable, and I know Stutzman's caught a lot of flack, as has David Aguebu, and I'm not trying to completely absolve them, but when you're playing that much, when you are on the field literally every single snap start to finish in a football game, it shouldn't be a shock that these guys are tiring out yeah, yeah. down the stretch. Well, and uh, where do we see these issues again where they can't make the big stop? It's in the fourth quarter, right? And uh, maybe that's part of it, no doubt. But at the same time, yes, they definitely need that linebacker depth. There is no question about it. You know, having TD Roof would have been great, but he got injured before the first game. Uh, you know, that was that was going to be uh, – he was part of the plan to be a, a solid backup for them. By the way, BB, of course, did come to the defense of Danny Stutzman yesterday too, saying, you know, he's leading the league in tackles and everything. He's, I think he's improving and he's going to be a really, really good player. But there have been some times, again, where I, I think that – Danny Stutzman was getting a lot of grief because of what he said on the podcast on the Prairie. And, again, it didn't sound great. I think it was more Danny Stutzman being Danny Stutzman. But, the you know, it's, it's the 
most controversial, I'm one step off. Come on, man. There really? was some wild social media buzz last night, and I don't know where it came from for the life of me. But there was some wild buzz circulating on social media that Danny Stutzman was getting processed. Like, that was the plan, to really? process him through the portal. Again, I don't know where on earth that came from, but if you were paying attention to Brent Venable's press conference yesterday, he didn't say all that nice stuff about Danny Stutzman just to escort him gently out the door. I don't think that's going to be happening. Uh, has he had problems this year? Yes. He's had moments where you think, man, there's Danny Stutzman right there, interception against Iowa State. And then he's had moments in the Baylor game where he goes to the fill the, the wrong gap, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, clearly, he's got to be a guy who gets those details down, gets the calls down. The natural ability is still there for Danny Stutzman. I'm I mean, not hey. saying he's going to be Boz or Rod Schoed or Curtis Lofton, but he can be a good, solid college linebacker. I mean, hey, old Teddy Lehman had his moments early in his career, too. He, I mean, we hear him talk all the time about getting chewed out by Brent Venables and Mike Stoops coming off the field after – uh, he was responsible for a blocked punt yeah. against Kansas State. But that dude ended up winning a Buckus Award. So Pretty good. Yeah, he ended up being a pretty good player and pretty good on the radio as well. All right, we're going to take a break. Opening time out right here. We do have two really good guests today. Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript, will join us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline covering the Sooners. 12-35-135, Cade McFarland, KJRH-TV in Tulsa. We'll talk Bedlam with us. All that coming up. Steelman and Thune here on your Wednesday. We're coming right back on the ref. All right, we are back. Mike Steele, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans on a Wednesday, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Wednesday's going along just fine so far. Thanks again to Tim Lasher and his company. Uh, Tim Lasher, again, great Sooner, great company. Lasher, home comfort systems, 405-579-3113. Big time. Big time. All right. Um, I was digging through some uh, Bedlam audio, and I found a gem that I want to play for you before we go to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. 1995 was the year uh, Oklahoma State entered Bedlam with a 2-7 and seven record, but it was Bob Simmons against Howard Schnellenberger. The Sooners came into Bedlam 5-3-1 and one of the year. Cowboys shut out the Sooners that day, won the game 12-zip, and uh, there was allegedly a uh, rumble in the Sooners' postgame uh, locker room. Uh, the the rumor was assistant coach Gary Nord got into it with a player. I'm not sure which player. If any of you know the uh, true story, let us know on the text line. But this was the one, the only Howard Schnellenberger 
after the 95 loss in Bedlam, talking about what happened. The mood of the locker room was uh, was very uh, um, controversial. It was very uh, the kids were upset with each other, and uh, and it was de- and it was demonstrated. Uh, it's something that it, uh, is not very good to see happen on a football team, but uh, it does happen. Oh, was that actually him. Howard, or was that no. just a very well disguised yeah. Steely Schnellenberger? That was bit. Howard. Very, very controversial. <laughs> the atmosphere every, in the locker room was very controversial. Every time I hear a Howard soundbite, <laughs> I'm just less and less surprised that he uh, only lasted one year. Can we play that one more time? It's of just course. too good. Let's go, Howard. Let's hear. The move the locker room was uh, was very. Uh, um, controversial. It was very. Uh, the kids were upset with each other, and uh, and it was de- and it was demonstrated. Uh, it's something that it, uh, is not very good to see happen on a football team, but uh, it does happen. By the way, you know how the one acknowledgement oh, no coach man. wants to make is how they've lost the locker room? <laughs> yeah. That's Howard acknowledging after I've Bedlam, lost the locker room. After being shut out in Bedlam, kids were not happy with each other, and that was demonstrated. So, anyway. All right, so good. That is so good. All right, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. You want to get there right now? Sure, let's go right ahead. Somebody said Broderick Simpson got into it with Coach Nord. Ah, okay, there you go. There you go. That's a good memory, 918. I was trying to think of um, who it was, and the name was escaping me, but I think you were correct. Uh, this listener says at least Mike Gundy wasn't coaching us. Do you see that soundbite the other day where Mike Gundy said, "Yeah, yeah, he'd be the head coach at OU if he'd stayed committed to OU." All right, let's. All right, so now we're gonna have to pull up Gundy Improv. All right. Oh, is uh, this the th- thing? This was Mike Gundy and Plank and I were on the same wavelength because I was driving in. It was the early part of the Plank show. No, I was listening in the production room and I was thinking, you know, Mike Gundy sounded like he was doing a stand-up routine, and Plank was saying Gundy sounded like he was at a comedy club, and I'm thinking we're on the same wavelength because I was getting ready to put the the improv sounds in but yeah this was mike gundy on monday and it sounded like uh, again he was at the improv out in california from hollywood and beautiful santa monica by the sea home of america's premier comedy showcase the world famous improvisation it's a and e's and evening at the improv I was a little scared of Boz. Uh, Boz, Boz um, um, scared me a little bit. Uh, I, I knew pregame. Boz was on a, a, a different type of um, artificial um, nutrition than I was. <laughs> Wasn't a real smart guy, but uh, they just won a national championship with the best, obviously, well, I shouldn't say the best, one of the best option quarterbacks to ever play college football, and he was a true freshman. And he was getting all kinds of fur coats and cars and stuff, so I don't, I didn't see where I fit in on that gig. He was on the NIL plan. (laughs) 
Mike Gundy at the Improv. I did see back in the day Jamel at the Mont with the uh, with a fur coat, yes, and uh, he also had his purse with him at the time. I like Jamel a lot, but uh, yeah, he he, he uh, had a purse with him. He had a Jamel carried a purse, yes, really. He a purse back in the a day. Merce. He might have been the he might have been the founder of the Merce, oh, Jamel no. Holloway back in the day. Oh no, <laughs> he was at the Mont and he had about four <laughs> ladies with him. He had his fur coat on and he did have a, a Merce. In his possession. So, there you go. Uh, both OSU, believe me, OU and OSU got in a little trouble back then. Not just Oklahoma. Hartley Dykes had a pretty nice vehicle, by the way. I would imagine he did. And uh, I remember, again, when I was really recovering recruiting, and uh, it was down to, I think it was, uh, you know, we, we literally had to call uh, Hartley Dykes. was from Bay City, Texas, USA Today, Offensive Player of the Year. And my job that day Mike, call uh, call the school and talk to the secretary. Stay on hold and have her tell you when Hartley signs. It's going to be Oklahoma or Texas A&M is what, what we're hearing. And she comes back, Oklahoma State. I'm like, what? Hartley signed with Oklahoma State. I'm like, wait a minute, Oklahoma? or Can you ask again? It was kind of like the conversation we had last week. Yeah. Who did Hartley sign with? Yeah, Oklahoma State. And uh, Hartley had a pretty nice vehicle also. So, yeah, the Sooners and the Cowboys both got nailed by the NCAA, NCAA police back in those days. And, of course, the Boz got nailed for steroids as well. So, there you go. All right. Uh, do you want to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line? 405-651-3439? Peyton says that one particular guy's laugh in the background is like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. So the woodpecker laugh, it sounds the like. woodpecker laugh. <laughs> Steely and Parker, what is your favorite Bedlam moment? You've been alive a lot longer than I have, so I'll always defer to you for the first answer on these. Man, I, I actually think it would be 1983 for me because that was a very controversial uh, week. Marcus Dupree had just left the Sooner football team. And uh, Oklahoma is, you know, kind of licking their wounds going into Bedlam. Jimmy Johnson was coaching for the Cowboys. Oklahoma State led most of the day. And you're thinking, this is a Bedlam loss right here. Tim Lasher talked about it. Uh, they, had, I guess, called off the onside kick, but he didn't know. So he got, you know, booted the onside kick. It bounces off Chris Rockin's face mask into the hands of an OU player. The Sooners drive down the field. Lasher hits the game-winning field goal. Oklahoma wins that game. So it would probably be 1983 for me. There haven't been a whole lot of memorable be- – okay, yeah, I, I take that back. There have been a couple. There have been a couple that were legitimately memorable. I would say the one that stands out, honestly, and not for a good reason, but the one that stands out the most is 2014, right, the Tyreek Hill game. Yeah. But as far as games that Oklahoma won, I would go to, back to 2012, Brennan Clay's touchdown run and double overtime to secure that win over Oklahoma State. I remember I was in Georgia watching that game. I was at my grandparents' house in Georgia. We were watching Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Brennan Clay burst through the line, basically falls across the goal line. You could tell he was gassed, and that's that's all she wrote. Was what was that, the year? What was the year that uh, Blake Bell came in and threw the touchdown pass to Jalen Saunders? That was another big one because yeah. Oklahoma State was probably uh, Oklahoma State was in line to win that game, and it was Justin Gilbert the interception that wasn't an interception for Oklahoma State. It was really a close call. And the Sooners, you had a uh, Grant Botham scored a touchdown, right, on the fake field goal. 
That's right. And uh, Bob's a big game. Bob came back out. So, actually, that one would be another one for me was the – because, really, uh, Oklahoma State might win 7 of 10 that year against that Oklahoma team, maybe. But Blake Bell came in and threw threw a dart to Jalen Saunders in the corner of the end zone, and that was a a great comeback victory for OU. I don't know if I'm alone in this perspective, but – Bedlam games like the one we had in 2017 were just no fun for me. Oklahoma won that game 62-52. to uh, Trey Sermon had that long touchdown run to ice it, I believe with less than a minute to play. This is like, that, that, was, that was such, I, I don't even know what word best encapsulates that era of Big 12 football. But I hated it, man. I hated those kinds of games. The arena football league Yeah, games. the arena football games, where it's just like, okay, who's going to score more? There's going to be no defense played. Basically, whoever punts first loses. Yeah, yeah. Well, there have been a lot of big moments, no doubt. Joe Washington's punt return in the 70s was a big one in Norman where he was corralled by what looked to be like, uh, you know, five Oklahoma State guys, and he gets out of that jam and runs it back for a TD. That was huge as well. I'm trying to remember if he lost his helmet on that as he was running into the end zone. Um, somebody let me know. Old man memory. All right. Uh, first hour sponsored by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. They've done great work for us over at our place. When we need heating and air issues resolved, they have done it at a very fair price, and they've gotten it done very quickly as well. Break time. Jesse Crittenden coming up next. We're going to get to as many texts as we can. Keep them rolling in. Copy and paste them if you feel like you uh, – you know, we've overlooked yours. We're going to try and get to all of them if we can. But we'll talk to uh, Jesse Crittenden in the transcript about Bedlam coming up next here on The Ref. Here we are, Jesse Crittenden, joining us, Norman Transcript, sports editor, does a great job covering uh, the Sooners and everything else. And uh, Jesse joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at 405-329-9000. Jesse, evaluate Brent's presser yesterday. I, I got to hear, you know, uh, most of it. It, it sounded like uh, that, that might have been the most informative, uh, informational, I just, you know, uh, little redundancy there, but it sounded like maybe it was the best presser of the year. I thought there was a lot of good stuff yesterday. No, I agree, and I thought I thought his tone was a little different um, compared to the last couple of weeks. I thought last week you could tell that, you know, there, there was some frustration building um, after that loss to Baylor with the way the season's gone. I thought, I thought yesterday, I mean, he spoke pretty candidly about not only where the team is at right now, but some of his thoughts going into the off season. I mean, one of the, obviously one of the highlights was him saying he doesn't feel like they need to find uh, a quarterback through the transfer portal, which, you know, implies confidence, not only in Dylan Gabriel, but the current quarterbacks on the roster, Jackson Arnold coming next, uh, next season. So, yeah, I think, I think what you saw is it is 
a coach that is obviously looking for some answers, obviously recognizes that these last two games, especially this week against Bedlam, it's important not only for, for you know, ending this season on a positive note, um, but going into the off season, I, th- I think you see a coach that that's trying to balance a lot of things right now. But I, yeah, I'd ag- I would agree with you. I think, I think he, I think I appreciated his honesty about some of the things he talked about. And I think you, I mean, you. Oh, he lost Jesse momentarily. Hopefully, you still there, Jesse? Yeah, I'm here. There we go. Okay, perfect, perfect. We got him back. Okay. Uh, Jesse, Oklahoma's a touchdown-plus favorite in Bedlam this weekend at home against Oklahoma State. Are you as surprised by that as I am? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely surprised, not only with, um, with obviously the last couple of games for Oklahoma, especially the, the West Virginia loss. Um, but especially with you know the expectation that Spencer Sanders is going to come back, we've seen Oklahoma State's a, a different team with him on board. They just got a you know a, a pretty decent win against Iowa State. Um, so I think it's not only just that they're favored, but how much they're favored. I know it's a home game for OU, but it, I I felt like it would be a little hard to have too much confidence in this team right now. But maybe maybe there are some people banking on if there's a if there's a game OU's going to get up for, it's going to be Bedlam at home with, you know, maybe not many opportunities for these two teams uh, left to play each other. So maybe that's maybe that's the thinking there. Jesse Crittenden with us, uh, Norman Transcript Sports Editor. And, uh, you know, I, I'm with you on Brent's um, mood or tone yesterday. And, uh, you know, I know when John Hoover had asked him a question in the previous press conference towards the end of the presser, Brent said, man, have you done your homework for me? You know, I'm, I show up with the same attitude every day. And not that he's been beaten down or downtrodden or in a horrible mood. He's been a little more testy recently. But like I said, I, I felt like, uh, I don't know, it was like Brent. It was almost like OU Brent showing up when he got the OU job. It wasn't quite to that level, but um, he w- he did seem to be in a good mood and didn't look like a team, uh, you know, a coach of a team that's 5-5 five and five right now with the fan base uh, not real happy. Yeah, I think in I think in some ways uh, you kind of have to appreciate, you know, the idea that um, again I don't think he I don't think he's hiding from anything. I don't I don't think he's trying to run away from from the fact that given all the chaos at the end of last year and in the off season, this has been a disappointing season for OU. There's there's no way to sugarcoat it, and the the loss to West Virginia particularly was disappointing. So, but I actually think in some ways it's encouraging for him to come out. He, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't super frustrated. He wasn't, he wasn't as testy as he has been, you know, after a, a couple of the losses earlier in the year. And yeah, I mean, I think I think he understands how important this is. Not that not that he's going to be defined by one season at OU, right? I mean, it, I think the understanding has always been that this is going to be something he's going to have to build with how chaotic the end of last season was. But I think he recognizes that there is still a lot of value in trying to win these next two games, getting a bowl game, ending the season on on a high note. And I think he recognizes, I mean, he's talked about culture since day one, and it starts with him. And I think it was important for him yesterday to to come out and and express some confidence, um, you know, express some excitement about the end of the season. And because I mean, I think if he had come out and and really seemed really frustrated or, or testy or anything, I think that maybe adds to some of the bad moods around the team. But I think he came out wanting to express some confidence, excitement, and and recognize season seven and five. That's still not a perfect 
season. It's not ideal. There's, you know, there's still some questions going into the off season. But if they win these next two games, make a bowl game, that would, I mean, that would bring a lot of of excitement and positivity back, which the program really needs. Jesse, has the Sooners' inability to stay in the win column diminished the appreciation and admiration for what Eric Gray has done out of the backfield? Because he has been monumentally impressive to this point in the season for Oklahoma. I actually think one of the one of the things though you really need to do is find a way to um, to get him to stay. Not only with how I mean it, the, the season he's having, it, it's not just career best across the board it's not just seeing him take a leap but it's I mean he's playing like one of the best players in college football not just running backs one of the best players period the the eye test the the basic stats the advanced stats all point to a guy who's been incredible this season and I think in ways that even the most optimistic of of fans probably couldn't have expected I, I think there's some frustration even Jeff Levy alluded to it that I mean, it's it's tough that he had the game he had against West Virginia, over 200 yards, the only two touchdowns for OU that game, and they still lost. They're they're losing games despite the performances that he's giving. But I think when you look at guys on either side of the ball that are playing with heart, um, that are putting on elite performances every single game, I mean, he's he's the guy. And I think, I mean, he he again reiterated his confidence in, in Venables and the coaching staff. And I think. It's going to be hard. His draft, his draft stock has obviously skyrocketed. Um, there's a lot of reasons for him to, to maybe declare at the end of the year. But if they can get him to hang around for another year, I think that would be huge, not only on the field, but, but off the field. No doubt about it. No question about it. Uh, Jesse Crittenden, our guest on the uh, Riverwind Casino hotline, 405-329-9000. Before we uh, let you go, what did you make of the comment, the one that was circulating yesterday? Well, there was a couple. Number one, we don't need a quarterback in the portal. And number two, if you had like this really good quarterback committed, you know, and uh, everybody's coming after him and he's committed to you because he feels good, you know. What did you think about uh, the comment, again, that uh, Brent doesn't think they need a quarterback uh, in the portal, and clearly that seemed like a message to uh, Jackson Arnold about how much they appreciate his loyalty yesterday. Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. I think Brent's made it clear, uh, especially the last few weeks, that he does see the things that are written. He does see uh, what the fans talk about. I mean, I, I think that was something I personally was wondering coming into the year, how much he would pay attention to that stuff. I think it's clear that he has so and, and I think he kind of did I mean I think he wanted to, to do one big thing with a couple of those comments which was ex, I mean express confidence in his players not only his current players but you know also sending out the sentiment to Jackson Arnold and anybody else committed to OU that that you know OU is still in their corner and that I think what Brent's really trying to build again I think Brent's always been building uh, for the future and and building a, a culture of guys that are committed to OU, but I mean especially in this era of college football where getting real commitments from players is getting harder and harder for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think Brent's recognizing that you know they have to have the same kind of commitment and confidence in those recruits that they're expecting them to have in OU. So um, I think it was I, I think it, he he was trying to do a few things with those comments, but yeah, I think it's I think he's he's kind of establishing himself or, or trying to at least as a player's coach, not only to the current players on the roster, but the players moving forward in hopes that as disappointing as the season has been at times that, you know, there, that 
there's going to be things to build on and, and things to be excited about moving forward. Jesse, appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, and we will talk again soon. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript, sports editor, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Break time right here. We'll come back and get you as many texts as we can, 405-651-3439. Have one about uh, the dude who, I think it's Mike. Mike in Springfield? Yeah, telling us about uh, Jamel siding at Brothers back in the day. we got to get to that one. And as many as we can. Keep it here. It is the home of Sooner fans, the raffle on Wednesday. Steelman and Thune together again, ladies and gentlemen. We shall return. We are back. We've got uh, we've got about f- seven minutes or so before we have to close out hour number one. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, they are the home of winners. Over 2,800 electronic games, all your favorite table games. Tremendous, big-time professional poker room, best bars and dining, Coop Ale House Bar, River Buffet, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, a very popular food court. And they have the best concerts and shows as well. And we have one coming up Friday night. It is going to be the Bedlam Bites, Bedlam Beats and Bites concert presented by Riverwind and uh, Phillips 66. It is going to be unbelievable. Opening act, Wade Bowen, then the Eli Young Band. Wade Bowen on stage about 6.30 Friday night. Eli Young Band, approximately 8.15, 8.30. It is going to be a tremendous night. All the best local food trucks out there. You can bring the kids, bring your folding chairs. Kid-friendly environment. They've got activities for the kids. And, again, you can get your eat on, too, because they've got just about everything out there, plus some great music from the Eli Young Band and Wade Bowen, Bedlam Beats and Bites, this Friday night at Riverwind Outdoors. Get your tickets. Each individual ticket is only 5 bucks. Big-time bargain. $5. Get your tickets right now at riverwind.com. Or if you're headed over to the casino uh, today or before Friday, uh, you can get your tickets again. They're only 5 bucks at the box office there by the Showplace Theater. All right, Parker, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Ice Bowl 1985, when men were men, man. OU 901 versus Pokes 8-2. Thurman Thomas threat eliminated by a coat of solid ice. Yep. Players having trouble staying on their feet. OU option, mostly fullback Lydell Carr up the middle. OU victory. I'm trying to remember, didn't Damon Stell have a big play in that game too? Former PC North Panther. Back in that game. Yeah. You know, usually I went to every uh, road game, but um, that one, I I can't remember. I had something where I couldn't be at the game. Um, and I, I think I did the post game in the studio, and I I'm, I'm was thankful I, I wasn't required to go to that uh, post game on the road because the conditions were just absolutely, definitely the worst conditions ever for Bedlam. No doubt about it. 
playing on a sheet of ice, basically. This listener in the 405 says, guys, please don't take this as a jab or criticism of Eric Gray because he has had one hell of a year. But do you guys think he's an NFL top five round draft pick? To me, I see him in the late rounds or undrafted. I'd be curious to see how he would grade out at a combine setting. With that being said, I think he comes back. I would not count on Eric Gray being back next yeah. year. And it all depends what, what the draft card tells him, right? And I, then he I could don't even know about that, man. Like that's, I think he's out one way or another. Yeah. I think he's been productive enough. Uh, I think the skill set is intriguing enough. And I, I think what makes Eric Gray so special is, yes, I do think he's a top-five-round draft pick. And you think about the fact that, I mean, the recent benchmark for OU running backs is probably what Ramondre Stevenson, who went in the fourth round to the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now, Ramondre Stevenson and Eric Gray are very different backs. And Ramondre Stevenson is big time for the Patriots this year. Yeah. Belichick loves the guy. But, man, Eric Gray... I think with the combination of speed and agility and power that he possesses, as well as the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, yeah. Yeah, I think he's a top five uh, round draft pick. Now, is he off the board in day two? I don't know. I think he would need to turn in a pretty solid combine performance and uh, probably a real nice pro day as well to be able to put himself squarely in that conversation. But I, as of right now, I would figure Gray probably has about the same draft stock as Stevenson did. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, uh, Ramondre obviously is tougher and more durable, and he's just a load to tackle. But Eric Gray's had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. There's no doubt about it. He's been tremendous. He's been. The, we talked about this uh, three, four weeks ago. We both think he's the team's most valuable player, and this was a month ago, three, at least three weeks ago. But uh, do I think he can play in the NFL? Yes. Do right. I think he can be a feature back? No. But I think he can have a long, productive career. Really, in the you don't. NFL. You don't think Greg could be a feature back? I don't think he could be a feature. I, I mean, it depends how many feature backs, how many Derrick Henrys are there. You well, know? there's only one Derrick Henry. You know what I mean? But and that guy, you talk about a freak. When you've got that size and weight and that forty time, how'd you like to try and tackle him in the open field? Yeah, well, I, somebody just made the comparison that I was literally just about to make on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Gray kind of reminds me of Alvin Kamara, who also didn't go early. Now, that's a really high bar. Yeah, I'm not saying Gray's going to be as productive at the next level as Alvin Kamara, but I can see him being a feature back of that ilk, right? Where maybe he's not. 62215 like Adrian Peterson or 64240 like Derrick Henry but he gets enough of a workload and he can shoulder enough of a workload I think that's been big for him this year as well to be able to prove that he can handle 25 30 touches a game because yeah. what do you always worry about with running backs that size in particular durability durability yeah no and doubt. so Eric Gray has done more than enough to solidify his draft stock and I would say he's a end of day two, beginning of day three pick at this point in time, and that stock can go all the higher with a strong performance of the combine. All right. Uh, once again, Air Comfort Solutions uh, text line 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Jacob Sexton and Jake Taylor are going to be starting next year. How good will they be? Those are both going to be really good players at the University of Oklahoma. And I know people were upset with Bill Biedenboe because he only got – two signees in last year's class along the offensive line, but the two guys that he got, man, mm-hmm. those were hits. Those yeah. are guys that are going to be cornerstones on this offensive line moving forward. And I I don't know how the picture is going to shake out in the trenches next year for Oklahoma because 
you're losing Anton Harrison. You can kiss him goodbye. You talk about uh, an NFL early pick. Yeah. I mean, that, that guy is he, it. He's had a great season. Uh, he, he could be, you know, the suitors have done so well. I mean, Trent Williams has been uh, maybe the best left tackle in the NFL for a while. Uh, and Anton Harrison, I don't know that he'll be at that level, but he's going to be a longtime starter in the NFL. Yeah. You're probably going to – well, you're definitely going to lose Chris Murray. You might lose McCade Mattire as well. You could have as many as three new starters on that offensive line yeah. next year. Bill Beatonbow's had a nice year, though, with that O-line. I yeah, think they has. played played well. Where yeah. are the Bill haters? Yeah. Show yourselves. All right, we got a break for the top of the hour right here. Next hour, we have uh, Cade McFarland coming up. A lot more of your texts on the way as well. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, thanks to Lasher Home Comfort Systems for bringing you our first hour here on The Ref. You're with the home of Sooner fans on a Wednesday. We shall return. Yes, we are going to talk for the next uh, hour. Before we get ready to get locked in with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas coming up here on this Wednesday on the Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans getting ready for Bedlam coming up 6.30 on ABC Saturday night. What's ABC thinking putting uh, this Bedlam matchup on national television? Were you surprised, Parker? I, yeah, I was surprised. I was. I won't try to sugarcoat yeah. it. I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, maybe it'll be a great game. Maybe it will be. We'll see. Um, evening games, though, uh, SC and uh, UCLA in Pasadena, Pasadena, where there'll be hundreds of fans there. Maybe. Uh, 7 o'clock on Fox. Go Bruins all the way. Isn't it wild that UCLA can be, like, not only winning, but nationally ranked, like, actually really good at football, and still you can't make anyone care yeah. about UCLA football? Man, that loss to Arizona last week was not good, though. They, they no, lost at home to Arizona, and Arizona scored a lot of points on uh, SC, like everybody else is doing, too, but... Uh, USC, though, with the uh, new college football playoff rankings, they finally have a victory over a ranked team because Oregon State came in at number 23 last night. Georgia won, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU four, Tennessee was uh, fifth, followed by LSU, USC, Bama, Clemson. Are you rooting for TCU to uh, to get to the playoff? Does that make any difference that the Big 12 has represent- representation there? I really don't care. At this point, Alabama's not making the playoff. Nope. Um, Notre Dame's not making the playoff. Mm-mm. Sure doesn't look like Clemson's making the playoff. Clemson's at 9-1. and one. Now, There'd be some crazy things so to happen. Uh, you're getting either Ohio State or Michigan and not both. How about Muleshoe? So, 
I mean, they've got to. They're going to beat. They got to beat UCLA and Notre Dame, and then they'd have to beat Oregon in the Pac-12. They're going to lose. They are going to lose. They're going to. Lose. I, hopefully, I, they lose out. I think they beat UCLA, and I think they lose to Notre Dame. That's how they finish the season. Notre Dame's coming on, man. You know that. That's a team that lost to Stanford. Uh, no, they lost to Marshall. Is who they well, lost yeah, to? Steve. They also, but I don't know who's better, Stanford or Marshall. You're right. Yeah, and the uh, seven and three now for Marcus Freeman and company. And we'll talk to Notre Dame uh, super fan Cade McFarland mainly about Bedlam, but I'm sure he's happy with that turnaround. Florida State's turned it around. You know, also seven and three in a year. Um, so anyway, what is uh, what's the line on that SC game? Uh, USC is favored by a point and a half, I believe. Mm-hmm. As of last check, so I, that, that see, see, I feel like this game is going to tell us all we need to know about USC's defense because UCLA is a good offensive team. DTR's had a points. good uh, a good year, and uh, Chip is, Kelly's a pretty good offensive mind. This is as good of an offense as USC is going to face all year until postseason play. Yeah, so. Well, and uh, obviously we'll have the Bedlam game on the main screen, and uh, I'll uh, hate watch the uh, SC game on the phone probably. Uh, 30-minute separation, 6.30 kick for OU, 7 o'clock on Fox for – you know what I like? I don't know if they're still doing it because last year UCLA just went into uh, the Coliseum and destroyed USC. But back in the day – somebody tell me if they're still doing this. They used to both wear their home uniforms in this matchup. I can still Yeah, they still do that. Yeah, Yeah, they still do that. Um, And I was trying to remember last year, old man's short-term memory, I said, you know, you can uh, tap into my short-term memory right now and hear crickets. But, yeah, that's that's one of the coolest things about that series also. All right. Can uh, you talk about upset alert in Lawrence, Kansas this weekend? That's from the text line. Can the Jayhawks do it against the Longhorns? Absolutely they can. They're 10-point underdogs. They are. That may – should that be – I already made uh, Oklahoma State plus 7.5 my lock of the week. Now, I'm not saying that Oklahoma State's going to win the game, but I do like Oklahoma State. Once that extra half point was added on, I like that. But uh, I haven't picked a winner yet. I'm leaning towards Oklahoma. But Kansas, they could win that game straight up, right? Also, I'd, and I guess I shouldn't be terribly surprised by this, but – Come to find out, Monday and Tuesday, Texas fans are preparing the purple robe and the crown of thorns for mullet Jesus. Mm. They have had it with him. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, that TCU team, that's a veteran team. You've got a quarterback, right, that's playing out of his mind this year. We all thought this was going to be Chandler Morris's team, and he got injured, and Max Duggan, uh, Wally pipped him, right? That's very true. And uh, didn't give the job back. And, you know, because Chandler Morris had won that job. But Which is just like, they're also quarterback every- headhunters, though, too. Jamoy Hodge, that guy's an animal. <laughs> Everything that has gone on in Fort Worth this year just makes zero sense. All the way down to Max Duggan, of all people, playing too well for Chandler Morris to see the field. It's Steely's fault. Why is it my fault? Why is it my fault? I mean, it might be my fault, but I need an explanation. I thought it was TJ's fault. That's the sound clip we play all the time on this station, right? It's TJ's fault. All right, should we get as many texts in as we can? Let's do it. Sure, let's go right ahead. Can Kelvin Gilliam be that dog that Ronnie Perkins was talking about? I think another year with Bates and next season he could be a dude. Thoughts? 
Yeah, I look, I I really liked Kelvin Gilliam coming out of high school, man. He was a good prospect. I think he still does have a bright future ahead of him. We just haven't seen it yet. We have not seen a whole lot from him on the football field. And mm-hmm. it it does make you wonder, right? If he can't crack the field, if he can't see snaps, given how bad Oklahoma has been up front this year, is there something the coaching staff sees or doesn't see in Kelvin Gilliam that the rest of the world is insulated from? Because, again, I really like the kid. He's got a great head on his shoulders. He's impressive, at least from what I've seen of him uh, and what I did see of him in high school. But he, he hadn't done anything to this point in OU uniform. No, not yet. Not yet. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. All right. This new collective that they're trying to raise $3 million in 30 days. Can we basically call this the Bowen Hicks Fund? Yeah, sure. BHF? Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how we're going to informally refer to the collective going forward. The BHF. For all of you listening right now, you know what the BHF is. And for people tuning in later on down the line, later this week or later this month, that are going to inevitably ask on the Air Comfort Solutions text line what the BHF is. Hey, it's y'all's job to fill them in. The Bowen Hicks Fund, ladies and gentlemen. How much is in the Bowen Hicks Fund now? Well, at least $151,000. That was yesterday. I'm betting it's up close. I bet it's gone over $300,000. Bet it's going to go over that. All right. Uh, Gilliam is hurt and having surgery next week on his shoulder. Speaking of uh, health this week. He's hurt, huh? um, Jalen Redmond uh, has had, uh, what I guess, a knee issue. We'll see what his availability is going to be uh, for uh, this weekend. And Justin Broyles, we, we thought that was a really bad injury, but it looks like he's ready to go for this weekend. Jaden Davis, Key Lawrence, going to be back. Uh, Andrew Rames had a very sore shoulder, and we'll see if he's going to be available for Bedlam. And he didn't play in Bedlam uh, last year, but Robert Conjol has done a pretty decent job when he's been in there. So, If Gilliam's hurt... And obviously, that's just that's from the text line, so I have no idea how much truth there is to it. But if he's hurt that much, that must have just happened because he traveled and was in uniform for the West Virginia game. So that must be pretty fresh. Um, let's see what else we got. Parker, I know this sounds crazy, but if, big if, Woody Washington leaves, could you see Vickers taking that spot as a true freshman? No, I, I can't. I don't think so. And to be honest, I think there's a greater chance that Makari Vickers ultimately ends up finding another position in the secondary, whether that's safety or whether – because here's why I say that. The Sooners are recruiting Makari Vickers as a corner. That's been their design from the get-go. But they've also told him that they're going to be flexible with him as there is a – demand for depth elsewhere because he can play all three positions he can play cheetah he can play corner he can play safety right and I think the Sooners are going to need some safety depth come the offseason because I think there are some guys in that room right now that are not going to be back and so I I would not think it an impossibility that you see Vickers join Peyton Bowen and Eric McCarty in the safety room. 
assuming Peyton Bowen's a Sooner. But it would not shock me if you see Vickers end up at safety and Jacoby Johnson and Josiah Wagner are your two cornerbacks in this recruiting class. Because I don't think the Sooners are going to lose a whole heck of a lot at corner. I think there's a good chance Woody Washington comes back, based on what I've heard. Now, I don't think it's a likelihood. I would legitimately say it's an even coin flip, and I don't think he's decided right now. Yeah. But you're going to have Jaden Davis back. You're going to have C.J. Colden back. And so those guys, to me, Davis and Colden, those are your odds-on favorites to be starters next year at corner. And then you throw into the mix guys like Kendall Dennis, Kanai Walker, and then, of course, I, I, Johnson coming in, that's a guy that's going to have the opportunity to play immediately both Jacoby on defense Johnson, yeah, and Mustang. on special teams. No doubt. All right, uh, real quick, right before we break, 405-651-3439. Thank you, by the way, to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great deal on a car, truck, SUV, pre-owned vehicle, unbelievable guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Now, I asked Parker the other day, who could be on Flip Watch? And he said, well, if you're just going to ask me, he's not saying they're going to flip, but he named his top three, Anthony Evans, Lewis Carter, Keon Brown. We'll get an update on their situations when we get back and get to more texts. Also, Cade McFarlane, Channel 2 Sports Director in Tulsa, talking Bedlam more, also at 135 right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Wednesday edition, Steelman and Thune, right here in the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. So uh, is there any update on uh, Anthony Evans, Lewis Carter, Keon Brown? Anything changing at all? Anything that you've seen no, no, that no, looks no. like any kind of an issue? No. Okay, No, good. nothing has changed. Anthony Evans, you have said that his relationship with Jackson Arnold is pretty darn strong. Yes, too, it is. And, and that, makes a, that makes a big difference. So uh, we'll see what's going to happen down the stretch for Oklahoma. But this is a huge weekend. Uh, Zadavian Sims, is he coming in this weekend? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know for sure. No, I think he's going to Michigan State this weekend. Is he? Yes. So he would be a part, if you could get, uh, he's the uh, number one player in Oklahoma, correct? In that yeah, class. for now. And uh, what, what's the situation with David Stone in the uh, 2024 class? Well, he just got his fifth star today. He's the number four player in the nation with the new 24-7 sports recruiting rankings update. How about that? So that's something. Number four player in the nation, regardless of position, folks. So, so, and David Hicks in this class is rated... Number seven. Number seven. Wow. So, how are you feeling about DJ Hicks's visit, and uh, what percentage chance would you put on Oklahoma getting him to flip uh, at this point? 30%. 30%. 
I don't really know how I feel about the visit as of right now. I don't, I'm not sure I have a feeling. Ask me again next Monday, and we'll see what happens. Well, um, I know a lot of people are uh, not giving up on that deal. So uh, give me the highlights of the group that's coming in again this weekend. So, obviously, DJ Hicks and Damian Sanford are going to be the two that most everybody is enamored with and paying the most attention to. But you're going to have the Bowen brothers in town. Uh, you're going to have Jackson Arnold in town. Caden Green's coming. PJ Adabare's coming. Uh, in terms of uncommitted guys, obviously, I think two more that folks are watching are going to be Ashton Sanders and Taylor Wine. Uh, three-star nose from out in Los Angeles and three-star edge from Nolansville, Tennessee. Those are two guys that OU stands a very, very good chance of landing. OU's doing battle with Ashton Sanders, or doing battle with Wisconsin for Ashton Sanders. And then for Taylor Wine, I'd consider Oklahoma the clear front runner right now because he's originally from Edmond, Oklahoma, and has a lot of ties to the area. So uh, if you're talking about guys that could pop in the immediate aftermath of this visit weekend, I think Taylor Wine would probably be tops on the list for me. And then you also got to consider the fact that uh, Oklahoma can make a very, very strong push towards being able to land Ashton Sanders uh, should the visit go well this weekend. All right, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. By the way, we do need to play again, before I forget, uh, sometime in this segment, uh, Howard Schnellenberger's classic comments after the uh, 1995 Bedlam game where the Sooners lost 12 to nothing, got shut out by a 2-7 and seven Oklahoma State team, by the way, on Owen Field. It's just too good not to play it one more time. Has OU offered Dax Collins? No, they have not. But the Poto, Oklahoma athlete is a guy that has been a regular on campus. If that, ever, if that offer ever does come, Dax Collins will be a Sooner. You don't got to think twice about that one. Somebody said, Parker, do not crystal ball stone to OU. I'll hear about eight months late on that one. My apologies. Uh... Bobby from Austin says, update on the Crimson and Cream campaign, a.k.a. the BHF, $327,970. That is the Bowen Hicks Fund, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, will we see that on, uh, what's the uh, the stock network again? <laughs> the Dow? No, the uh, network for the, the TV. The, oh. Uh, Jim, what's the guy's name? Jim Kramer, is that his name? I don't know. I don't know either. But maybe the Bowen Hicks Fund uh, will, you know, go through the roof. 918-ROD asks, Parker, is this going to be an official visit for Hicks and his teammates so you can roll out the red carpet? So to my understanding, the situation right now is that it's going to be an official visit for one of them, and then the other one will get the entire official visit experience because when you do an official visit, you can have two people that you bring along with you. So it's usually family members, right? But DJ Hicks's family has already been around Norman so much, and OU is running so low on official visits that it would make sense just to say, hey, Damian Sanford, why don't you come along as a guest of DJ Hicks? And you guys can do all the same things together. You can have the official visit experience without it technically costing us an official visit. So to my understanding, that's the way that they're going to work this out. Um, BHF is over $330,000 now. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I love that. They're already putting the BHF in there. Well done. Excellent. Let's see. <laughs> um, I'm not going to read that one, but that was a funny text. 
from the uh, from the four hundred five. Um, does Chandler Morris transfer and possibly <laughs> look to come back? Well, Max Duggan's gone, right? Finally, he's been there since like the uh, the ice age. Now he can come back. Max Duggan has a COVID year left. Yeah, he's got a COVID year. Good lord. Are you serious? Yeah. Is he only no. a junior? He's, he's a senior, though, right? Yeah, he's a senior in classification. I mean, he is the Perry Ellis of college football. Remember when Perry Ellis spent like a decade at Kansas? Who else has been around for a decade? Adrian Martinez has been around for a decade. Justin Broyles has been around for a decade. Justin Broyles has been around for a while, yes. Um I did I feel like there'd be some there'd be some people on the text line, no doubt, that would advocate for Chandler Morris if he were to get in the portal. Um how okay, this is a great question on the text line. How can one hate Bill Beatenbow? The guy is a living legend, and unlike some other punks from the previous staff, he didn't disappear <laughs> in the darkness of night to head out west. He stayed loyal That's to the right. Crimson and Cream. He's a real one. And Bill Bedmosa, he's got a house at Grand Lake. That's Believe right. me, hey, ain't nobody out there hating on Bill Bedenbow this year. And if they are, we'll find him. Because Bill Bedenbow, well, he's Bill frickin' Bedenbow, all right? And the offensive line actually has been... I think pretty darn good. Somebody asked, is Caden Green going to be on the two deep next year? Yeah, I'd bet pretty decent money on that. Did you see that his pick the good. other day with a jump man pick that uh-huh. he put out there? Not bad. Does it see that he – I mean, it's no secret if you listen to this program. It's no secret if you're a VIP at OUinsider.com. But he came out and like, he told the Tulsa world, which, by the way, he grew up in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. He lived there for the first six years of his life, I think. But uh, he told the Tulsa world, I'm not decommitting. I'm signing – in December. I'm enrolling in January. So, straight from the horse's mouth, publicly, don't worry about that one. What's the Max Duggan has been, is older than me, and I'm 43. Max Duggan has been at TCU as long as Spencer Sanders has been at o- Oklahoma State. Yeah, Spencer Sanders has been around for a while. Hire Chad Morris as QB coach, then you can get Chandler back. <laughs> uh, is the percentage better on Bowen? Or Hicks and Sanford, I would say the percentage is substantially higher on Bowen right now, in my mind at least. Um, What's up with Cecilia Connor, by the way? That name, it's still out there, but it felt like Oklahoma was in good shape. Did somebody hire like his Tennessee did one of his relatives? Tennessee hired a relative. That's a freaking mule shoe move. I mean, come (laughs) on, that's like when Kansas brought in Ed Manning as an assistant coach and he went from truck driving to assistant basketball okay, coaching. Hey, to be fair, this is what you have to realize about Cecilia Kana's family. Mm-hmm. They are all very prestigious in the athletic community for yeah. various reasons. So, so he's a real I coach. Promise you, yes, I promise you, whichever family member it was that Tennessee hired, they didn't just hire them because he's Cecilia Kana's relative. Man, Tennessee, they've got a, like a volunteer mob out there or something now, don't they? Yeah, I mean, look. And they've had one of the best collectors. Josh Heupel is in the catbird seat right now out of Tennessee because you always have fan investment. You always have a packed-out stadium of 100,000. Right now, they do have they, – they were on the cutting edge of the NIL collective. They game. were, yeah, no doubt about it. No the doubt. actual collective, not the – we're going to throw bags right. at recruits type of deal. But, like, when it, terms, when it comes to legit collectives, Tennessee was right on the cutting edge of that. Who else? Was Florida up there, too? I'm trying Florida to think. Florida was uh, pretty. Miami got all the money from the uh, the one dude. Yeah, Life Wallet. Yeah. 
Right. And uh, But, yeah, Tennessee's been doing it right. You know, the last thing that Oklahoma needs is freaking Tennessee to get really, really good. Like I said, man, you you got to figure this stuff out, and I do think they will. And I don't think the joke of Stiglione is a knee-jerk reaction guy. Brent Venables is going to get three years, unless they drop off like three and nine next year or something, right? Josie is going to let this thing play out. I think that uh, – I do think that, you know, obviously this year has been a disappointment. Let's see if they could possibly win out and get to eight and five, and Brent knows that. But let's see what happens when – if this kind of stuff keeps happening, when get Brent gets more of his players in, then there's a big issue. But I am not ready to panic just yet. Okay. Well, somebody asked, is Arnold going to be on campus next semester? Who else is coming in early? So let's roll through the commit list, and I'll tell you who's getting here early and who's not. Uh, Jackson Arnold, early enrollee. P.J. Adabare, early enrollee. Jaquez Petaway, he's getting here early, as is Caden Green, as is Makari Vickers. Jacoby Johnson will be an early enrollee. Samuel Masigo is going to be here in June, so he's on the standard timetable. Derek LeBlanc, I, I don't know for sure on him. I think he's enrolling in January. Lewis Carter is not. He'll be here in June. Josiah Wagner, I don't know about with certainty, uh, nor Dalen Smothers. Anthony Evans will be here in January. Heath Ozida, to the best of my knowledge, is going to be here in January as well. Keon Brown, I'm not sure about. Uh, Caleb Hicks is going to be here in January. Uh, Phil Pichotti will be here in January. Uh, Josh Bates, I believe he's a January guy too. I don't think Logan Howland is. Eric McCarty definitely is. Caden McIntyre is not. So, there you go. The vast majority of these guys are going to be here in, on campus in January. There you go. All right, as we go to Ray, does it get any better than Steelman getting getting on mule shoes? What? I... That's worded really strangely. I'm not sure. Is Mule Shoe still rent-free in my head? Yeah, yeah, he is. Absolutely. I don't like that sorry sack of feces. I think he's a dirty, rotten scoundrel and a, and a, and a, uh, a pathological liar. Should never set foot in the state of Oklahoma again. Or we need to sip, send uh, Rip from Yellowstone after his sorry derriere. That's what we need to do. Take him to the train station. Not really. Not that severe, but he's a sorry individual. Caden McFarland is a fine individual, though, and he's joining us next here on The Ref. We are back. Joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, Mr. Caden McFarland. He is basically the 
Rudy of uh, Oklahoma Media. He loves Notre Dame. Although, Caden, we hear that uh, you're you're the big Notre Dame guy, so you would know for sure. We hear that Rudy in person is not really that likable. You ever met Rudy, the real Rudy? I've I've heard that. I have I have never met him, but I've heard that. I've heard that he fibbed a little bit on the story that actually made it to screen, and that some of the folks who played on that team uh, certainly. <laughs> Dan Devine, I think, was not a huge fan. So, yeah, I've heard that he took some uh, artistic license. So, Rudy. It's a good story, though, right? Yeah. Rudy is the Josh Heupel of <laughs> Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, and we said, hey, you're rooting for Josh, and we get a million texts. Man, Josh blew me off or was rude to me here or there. But no, uh, funny. No, I, I, hey, heard, I didn't know that about Josh. It's still, Rudy's still a great movie. It's inspirational. And is it, you know, Academy Award winning quality with everything? No, but it's still an inspirational movie until you find out that a lot of it was uh, not true. Don't let the facts get in the way, Steely. That's Don't right. Mike Gundy the saw the movie and said, that ain't true. So, anyway, speaking of Mike Gundy, it felt like Mike Gundy was at a comedy club for his press conference, didn't it? Hey, look, this is this is his act now. He he breaks this stuff out week after week. I think it just so happened that because of his history with Bosworth and Bedlam and stuff, um, the stories were kind of relevant for the entire state this week. But this this is who Mike Gundy is now. He he shoots from the hip, and he has something interesting to say. Us TV guys who are looking for those sound bites, we are eternally grateful. Um, but he was especially good this week, and I saw what you guys. Uh, tweeted out with regard to what he had to say about uh, fur coats and artificial uh, nutrition and whatnot uh, down there in Norman in in the 80s. Uh, Look, I happen to think that nobody in the entire universe was happier about OU going to the SEC than Mike Gundy. But he absolutely has to smell some blood in the water. And the chance to beat the Sooners for the second time in a row for the first time in 20 years I, I think that some of what we saw Monday, I think he's really, really tense about this. I think he's worried about the health of his quarterback. And I think part of that was uh, deflection, if you will. I, I think that if we could act, what we saw from him, the public face, I think that's just an act that he is really good at pulling off these days. I don't think he is near as comfortable with this week and this game as what he led on Monday. But uh, you would much rather be facing this OU team with five losses on its record uh, than almost any OU team in the last 20 years, or 25 years, obviously. So uh, he's he's got himself a big old opportunity Saturday. Caden, Oklahoma's favored by seven and a half points in this football game. What does uh, Vegas know that we don't? You know what I think it is, is that Oklahoma State has overachieved quite a bit this year. Like, if you dive into the numbers at all, how about just some of the basic numbers? They've been outgained by their opponents now in 10 games this season. Like, really, really good teams. Big 12 championship caliber teams, that's what I thought they were before Kansas State blitzed them just a few weeks ago. The numbers don't look that way. Uh, And so I I would say that this Oklahoma State defense has been leakier than we expected, and that's kind of been a consistent thing. They were really good last week, but that was against the Big 12's worst offense. You remove Spencer Sanders, and I I would say they got absolutely no shot. I I think that's a big part of it. I, I think, you know, this, this rivalry does have some – and the fact that OU is lost in, in some fluky ways, right? We, I, they, they've done it to themselves. It's happened consistently, and so it's hard to say that it's fluky. But they could easily be 8-2 and two with just a handful of things going differently, and we're talking about and thinking about this team very differently. 
So I, I think that's part of it. I, I think just overall Oklahoma State hasn't been quite as good as I expected them to be. Um, and, and I would say that Oklahoma has lost in some fluky way. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. But four outcomes this coming Saturday. OU wins by blowout. OU wins close. OSU wins by blowout. OSU wins close. What is most likely to happen? I would honestly say, just because I could see Oklahoma, this is Bedlam. I, I've seen this game so many times. So if I could see Oklahoma putting out its best performance, and I could see Spencer Sanders not being right, and OU sensing that and being able to get home on some blitzes and maybe even knocking him out of the game. All of that feels very possible. And for that reason, if I were to rank what is most likely to happen, I would say OU winning in a blowout is one by a slight, slight margin. And then it's OSU winning a close one, OSU winning a blowout. And I would say least likely to happen is OU winning a close one. What they've shown me in terms of, you know, on third and fourth down last week, just in big spots, situational football, OU finding a way to pull this out and win a close one, to me that's the least likely thing to happen on Saturday. Kate McFarland, our guest, and again, uh, KJRH, uh, Channel 2 and Tulsa Sports Director, huge Notre Dame fan. Now, are you confident that your Irish can go to the Coliseum? I know you have BC this week, but you can go to the Coliseum and take down Muleshoe for us. This is on you, Caden, particularly if SC wins over UCLA. It's on you and the Irish to take down Muleshoe. Steely, this game has given me indigestion from the day he accepted the job at USC. And we, had, we knew that Caleb Williams was going to follow him. I don't feel good about it at all. Um, Notre Dame did face that Ohio State offense, which is better than USC's. But I don't know that Ohio State in that opening game had, had a handle on how to attack Notre Dame in the same way that Lincoln Riley probably will. I do think Notre Dame can punch them in the mouth. Uh, I, I could see Notre Dame taking the fight to USC uh, punishing them all night long and up front in the trenches, USC just doesn't want it anymore. And I could find Notre Dame finding, I, I could see that happening. Uh, but man, this one scares me because of Caleb Williams. I, and it, that's another thing. Like if you look at some of those advanced numbers that would, you know, that have OU as a seven and a half point favorite this week, OU's not that much different. Like I love the FEI, bcftoys.com. I, they're not that much different than they were last year. A defense in the 50s nationally, an offense that's top 25 nationally, it's not that much different. The difference in record, to a large extent, is Caleb Williams. Uh, and the fact that he's over there, I, I think Notre Dame's going to be able to get home. They'll probably win that battle in the trenches. And it, in a lot of instances, it just won't matter because that guy's able to escape and make a play. So, man, this one's worried me for, for weeks and weeks. they still got Boston College this week. Um, and I, I was obviously heartened by what they were able to do against Clemson. But that one worries me. And trust me, I want it as badly as you guys want. I want it more than you guys want. I, I badly want it. And I, I hope USC wins this week so that they are flying as high as they ever have with just one loss, you know, going into the Coliseum against Notre Dame next week. Because, man, I would love to see the Irish be the team to humble him on a national stage. Caden, thoughts on the college football playoff picture here in 2022 because we're going to get some new blood in this field. Alabama's out yeah. of the picture. Notre Dame's out of the picture. Obviously, OU's out of the picture, and you're only going to get one of Ohio State and Michigan, but certainly not both. So thoughts on the way things are shaping up in that regard right now? 
Well, TCU's got to win out, and they what they did last week in Austin went a long way uh, toward convincing me that they can do that. Um, you know, three games left. It is hard to win games when the stakes are are their highest in late November and, and early December. Uh, I that that's what I want. I I want to see TCU get in the mix somehow, some way. I just think the Big Twelve has been too good top to bottom not to be represented. But we know they can't take a even a single loss. Uh, you know, because Michigan neglected to schedule anybody in the non-conference, it's going to be hard for them to get in over Tennessee, even if they look really good in the lost Ohio State. Um, it'll, it, and then obviously LSU is going to have its say in the SEC championship game. So it's only a handful of teams that even have a shot, but it could configure itself in lots of different ways. And I, I'll be interested to see – Georgia in that SEC championship game, a situation like last year where they're probably in win or lose, are they ready to actually are, – are they ready to play their very best? They were not one year ago against Alabama. They sort of saved it for the playoffs, if you will. I'll be interested to see how that shakes out. And then a two-loss LSU, a one-loss Tennessee, a one-loss Georgia. How many SEC teams do we end up with uh, in this thing? And look – I, 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 TCU just absolutely has to take care of business because that's not what we need, guys, right? We, we do not need this thing to be only the big two SEC and Big Ten represented. I, that would just leave me with a pit in my stomach and really, really wishing we had figured out this 12-team thing before now. Good stuff, Caden. We appreciate you. And, again, we will uh... – I believe we'll have to have you back on to preview SC Notre Dame next week to make sure. We're that, all on the same team yeah, for that one. Absolutely we are. No doubt about it. Thanks, Caden. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Caden McFarland joining us here on Steel Man and Thune. We have one more award-winning segment to go, perhaps. Might be an award-winning segment. You never know. Okay. Uh, we are going to replay the classic Howard Schnellenberger talking about the uh, 95 loss to Oklahoma State because it's just too good. we got to play that one more time before we get out of here. We'll get to as many texts as we can. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, for uh, sponsoring our second hour. We're coming right back. Keep it here. Back with you. One more segment to go. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Riverwind Casino, Battle and Beats and Bites coming up this Friday night. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit chilly, but you know what? The wind's not going to be a factor. It's going to be about four or five miles an hour. You can bundle up. Man, you've been to colder football games. You can get out and see the Eli Young Band and Wade Bowen. And who knows? Maybe you'll see Peyton Bowen. You never know. I don't know that he would do that on his official on a visit uh, coming up, but you know what I'm saying. But the Eli Young Band uh, and uh, Wade Bowen, again, uh, will be out at Riverwind. Wade Bowen at 630 and the Eli Young Band around 830. 
Uh, they'll have all kinds of hot chocolate and stuff out there with all the food trucks. So you can stay warm out there. I'm not saying it's going to be uh, just an absolute paradise, but if you really want to see that show, it's, uh, again, layering. That's what it's all about, right? You can do it. Put your mind to it. And, again, the tickets are only 5 bucks at Riverwind.com and at the Casino Box Office. Bedlam Beats and Bites this Friday night, also presented by Phillips 66. Again, uh, so many food options out there with all the local food trucks, the kids. Uh, they've got activities out there for the kids. Bring your folding chairs. Bring Bring your love of music to see, again, Bedlam Beats and Bites coming up this Friday night. I would be going, Kendall, but Shay has a birthday dinner that we're going to. Shay's got a birthday. And her birthday dinner isn't at Beats and Bites? No, we we we, we kind of planned this a while back. She's got a place she wants to go to. Uh, Shay's actual birthday is tomorrow, but Friday night we had arrangements to go with uh, some family. So otherwise we would be there. But we will be out and about for Shay's birthday festivities Friday night. We got a very funny text from Sooner Gary on the text line who said, it's crazy that all of a sudden we have the BHF and are talking openly about it. And 15 years ago, Ryan (laughs) Broyles just wanted some gas. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, Kendall, I'll I'll tell Shay that, yeah, we got to cancel all those plans we made a while back and get out there. But, yeah, we've been out to Beats and Bites before we like it. And, again, it's going to be Friday night. Okay. um, By the way, Howard Schnellenberger was an absolute buffoon. There's no doubt about it. Now, he won a national championship in Miami. He also coached the Baltimore Colts, I believe, for like a season way back in the day. Um, And he played wide receiver for Bear Bryant at Kentucky before Bear Bryant became a legend at Alabama, of course, Bear Bryant was A&M nearly killing people with the Junction Boys. But Howard suffered a Bedlam loss and a Bedlam shutout. 1995, Oklahoma came into the game 5-3-1. and one. Oklahoma State was 2-7. and seven. But Bob Simmons and the Cowboys came to Owen Field and won the game 12-zip. And there apparently was a rumble in the Sooner locker room afterwards. His here was Howard's reaction after taking the Bedlam beating in 1995. The mood of the locker room was uh, was very uh, um, controversial. It was very uh, the kids were upset with each other, and uh, and it was de- and it was demonstrated. Uh, it's something that uh, is not very good to see happen on a football team, but. Uh, it does happen. Which, again, that's just the oh, one thing yeah. you never do as a head coach. You never openly acknowledge, I've lost the locker room. There are problems in there. Yeah, we had a Western saloon brawl break out in the locker room. Uh, you know, I was, I was demonstrated. But uh, So that's Howard Schnellenberger. By the way, Sooner Hoops last night, Oklahoma beat uh, UNC Wilmington, the Seahawks, uh, 74-53. Yeah, Tom Osborne did gift him a uh, a natty. Tom Osborne kicks the field guard, the extra point, instead of going for two. Nebraska wins at least a share of the national championship. But uh, Sooner men win 74-53 last night. Next up against South Alabama coming up Friday night, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Thunder and the Wizards tonight at 6 o'clock. You may have seen some of the pictures of the Thunder players uh, getting the White House tour yesterday. And uh, some pretty good college hoops last night. Uh, KUB Duke, six, Duke 69-64 in the State Farm uh, Champions Classic. 
Uh, Jalen Wilson, even though he didn't make any threes, still had a nice game, 25 points, 11 boards. And Michigan State in two overtimes over Kentucky. That's what held back the playoff ratings for so long. Uh, Oscar Shibway was back. Last year's National Player of the Year, former West Virginia Mountaineer, and uh, had 22 points and 18 rebounds for UK, but fouled out late. So there you go. Somebody on the text line said, when Howard compared Eric Moore to Jim Kelly, I knew he was a drunk. Yeah, he's Kelly and Kozar. So anyway, yeah, Howard was an interesting dude. There's no doubt. Kendall says, any chance we can get a visit from Howard on the Heavenly Hotline? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, depending on what the production room situation looks like tomorrow and all of that. So, all right. Uh, Have you, we heard from Howard since Muleshoe left? I feel like it's been close to a year. It has been a while. Howard passed about, what, about a year and a half ago, I think it was? Was it? I thought it was 2020. Maybe it was maybe it was a little bit longer, but man, he did win he, that '84 team won a national title, right there. Beat the uh, beat the Nebraska triplets too to get it done. Gill, Rozier, and Fryer. I remember when Mike Rozier first came to Nebraska. Switzer was calling him Rouser. If he's on the playback show, oh hell, you're trying to get a tackle on that guy. Rouser breaks for eight yards, you know, or whatever. But uh, the Kings, such a classic. That man is a national treasure. Anyway, this comes from the text line as well. Any way of getting Howard's post-game audio after the OU Colorado game where James Allen was running all over Colorado, then Howard mm. made uh, the call to pass the ball instead of run in the second half resulting in a loss, took loss from the jaws of victory for Remember sure. that Howard on game day back in way back when – Guaranteed on game day that Oklahoma would, quote, kick their ass no matter who plays quarterback. And uh, it, it was a reverse ass kicking that was done by Colorado, actually. All right, we got to get out of here. Everybody, have yourself a great rest of your Wednesday. We've got Locked In coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. And uh, I'm telling you, it's really good stuff. If you love recruiting and Sooner stuff, it is top-notch. I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's up to 92%. Metacritic has it at 81, but Metacritic is very critical. We got to get out of here. Have a great Wednesday.